This week's episode is brought to you by the acclaimed hit comedy Mom from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. TV Insider called Mom one of network TV's more memorably gritty sitcoms, while USA Today proclaims it has long excelled at balancing deep emotional moments about people in crisis with sharp humor. And the New York Times says this sitcom often ventures into serious material without becoming overly maudlin. It's largely driven by the chemistry and camaraderie between Allison Janney and Anna Faris for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast, TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Actress in a Drama Series. Plus, you'll hear Dominic's interview with uh, Mark Rose and Wavy Jones from USA's Unsolved, and my interview with Conan O'Brien from our annual Emmys Contenders event. But before we get to those, and we will get to those, and I have to say, I'm always amazed at how tall Conan O'Brien really is. He is tall. He is very tall. <laughs> and it, it never, it's dozens of times I've stood yeah. next to him, and I'm still <laughs> amazed how tall he is. Yeah. But what's really running tall this year is who is going to win the Best Actress in a Drama Series at the Emmys. Now, standing tall right now is Elizabeth Moss with yeah. The Handmaid's Tale, who won last year. Handmaid's Tale is back for a second season on Hulu, just started recently, and already getting great reviews, very strong, and of course, Elizabeth Moss killing it. Yeah. But it's a very, very strong field looking out there this year. I don't know if she's going to be the winner. I think the winner is going to be royalty. Oh. Yes. I think it's going to be. You're talking about uh, Claire Foy. I believe it is going to be Miss Foy. I believe that. (laughs) I have. It's a triple threat win. This is why. Yes. A. She's wrapping up her, her run on The Crown. Uh, Olivia Colman's now coming over because, of course, Queen Elizabeth ages on the series, and now we're moving into a different part of her reign. Secondly, um, I think that uh, Emmy voters always love a Brit. Just ask yes. Benedict Cumberbatch. They do. And third, I think the pay inequality issue that arose earlier this year and that people really got a taste of and which had to be addressed— I think that is actually going to be in this Me Too and Time's Up era. That is actually going to be probably the one that puts her over the top. Because to be honest, that was her show. And she should have been paid actually not the same as Matt Smith, but more than Matt Smith. And I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. And he yeah. was a great Doctor Who. Yeah. He made Fez as cool, but it doesn't matter. Well, it's you know, called the Queen. He had a she's better agent. The, she's called the Crown. <laughs> the Crown is on her head. Yeah, the Crown is on uh, the. Uh, they ought to crown her agent. Actually, well, for, you know what? Uh, it's funny you say that. I remember, <laughs> I remember once I was yeah. at, a, at a some sort of event with Amy Pascal. Yeah. And Amy Pascal was asked about. Uh, it turned out I think it was for one of the films she'd done with Bradley Cooper, and she was asked about how it turned out that Jennifer Lawrence That's had right. been paid less than Bradley Cooper. Yeah. And Jennifer Lawrence, essentially, like Claire Foy, was the star of this particular project. Right. I don't. I I can't remember if it was what was the one? It was the David O. Russell film. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah. Silver Lining or whatever. So, no, whatever. no, it wasn't. Some, that. It was it some was David O. Russell film. Can you cut this part? <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways. So I remember Amy Pascal talking about this and how Jennifer Lawrence had been paid less than Bradley Cooper on a David uh, David O. Russell project, and and there was a sort of a sort of outrage among people. And and Amy, I think, actually really kind of addressed this honestly. She said, "Hey, hey, I'm a business person." And if Jennifer didn't ask for as much money, I'm not going to give it to her. And I sometimes wonder if that's some of the basis of this. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think, unfortunately, so many women are socialized not to ask, whereas yeah. men just naturally do. And I think that's unfortunate. But having said all that, I think that's why Claire's going to win this. Well, you know, it's funny you should mention Amy Pascal in connection. It, it's always a line one can she use. She just mm-hmm. produced uh, The Girl in the Spider Web with Claire Foy. 
making a big screen movie there. So let's hope she got paid what she's worth there. And she's wonderful. You know, we just had her in for Actors Side. She is a uh, terrific actress and deserves everything she gets, including that Emmy you have just given her, except she's going to have to tear it out of the hands of Elizabeth Moss. And I'll just give you one reason. She won last year after losing eight or nine times. And the Emmys tend to repeat. They tend to like to uh, go a couple of years at least uh, before they move on to uh, new uh, territory. And I have a feeling that Handmaid's Tale is still very strong, very watched, which is the key for me. Now, I know it's the last of the crown for her. That may not be in their head as much. Uh, you just gave them a reason to vote for, and I it's do strange, agree with it's you. It's strange, though, that the, the, the two leads we're talking about in this race are yeah. both on streaming services. Right. Which, like, just, I mean, it, it's amazing to think that as of 2013, before 2013, yeah. this wasn't even an issue. No, now it's the dominating force in this. Yeah. To get a little bit off streaming, I will also, though, I will shift a little bit to cable, premium. Yes. I do think that with the final season of The Americans, Carrie Russell does have a real chance here. Yes, she does. And I also do think, actually, well, I, I also think that Carrie Washington has a real chance here for the final season of Scandal, a, a broadcast show, which could yeah. actually really tip the balances here of the Emmys, which have not been exactly, except when you look at This Is Us, exactly broadcast-friendly um, in recent Viola years. Davis won a couple yeah. of years that, ago. Okay, that is true. Uh, for that Thursday. So not broadcast-friendly, except if you're on the Rhyme <laughs> show. Yes, uh, yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I, Carrie Russell could win. Of course, I seem to keep thinking we say that every year, and she doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so they may, again— not look at this as their last chance and just ignore her again. She's terrific. Now, let me tell you somebody uh, that I recently interviewed on Actors Side here. Oh, uh, you are plugging Actors Side I, I know. Well, because all shamelessly. of these wonderful actresses have been so nice to come and sit down. One of them is Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And, uh, oh, for the deuce. Wow. Yeah. Is she good in that? Yeah. And that's a risky role. And she also is a producer who took matters into her own hands to make sure she was treated the right way in a very uh, difficult role. I, I, she is very good in that show. And, when, yeah. and I, I'll do some self-promoting, too. When I reviewed it, I gave it a, a very strong review, and it was very good. Yeah. And, of course— it's one of its co-creators is the co-creator of The Wire. So that That's kind of buys right. off uh, everything. David Simon. And, and, he, and The yeah. Wire is, in my opinion, the greatest television show of all time. So you buy yeah. me off with that. Any yeah. Wire alums yeah. of any type, I'm already on your side. Yeah. But these are actors ha that are voting. Yeah, ha having, like having that. said that, I do think yeah. that there's a perception that The Deuce is a James Franco show, not a Maggie Gyllenhaal show. Uh, it may be, but I don't know. He does do it, double duty on it, for instance. Yes, he yeah. does. He does. Uh, she's the most impressive acting-wise on it. She has to go from being a hooker to being a porn star to being like essentially Stormy Daniels, a well, uh, but filmmaker. He, but, but, he, but yeah, I would say, I mean, yeah, I mean, she becomes a kind of a, a feminist role model yeah. in the most anti-feminist organization you can imagine. Exactly, yeah. you know, and and she's very, very good in it. And Let, let's so let's we'll pivot see. a little bit though. Yeah. What do you think of the HBO chances? We've got Westworld, and of course, Game of Thrones is yeah. back in the mix this year. Well, Game of Thrones is back, and so it was off last year, so we, we don't know if it's going to pick up where it left off or if any of these uh, women there, uh, Amelia Clark, uh, could uh, pull it off finally here in this in this uh, category. Um, I do like Emmy voters, uh, the chances Calicia of— Emmy is coming. I, I like the chances of Westworld uh, here. And Tandy Newton, who was in supporting last year, I believe, uh, should be in lead actress based on the episodes I've seen. Well, just the, mo the most recent episode where basically there's the she, she takes uh, she takes Evan Rachel Woods and there's kind of a there's a 
woman of color feminist shout off essentially that yeah. happens in there, which was a very very strong episode. I mean, if I if I was HBO and I was looking for the episode in which yeah. to actually promote both of these actresses, right. I would actually use that episode because she's, it was very strong. She's amazing. She has another episode which hasn't aired yet, so I'm not allowed to talk about it. But it's extraordinary, and um, so she's got a what lot. Happens, what to, happens if you talk about it? HBO take away because your it's cable? super secretive. It's super secretive. <laughs> And I, you know, I, I, I have seen it too. By the way, I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> well, that. Neither is that. That's terrible. We we're just we're showing off the people. Hey, like hey, we've pe- seen no, things they haven't. We're wetting people's appetites. Wow, that's so, wow, that is. <laughs> All I will say, I can to say the this. Donald Trump episode world. five. Tune in. Ah, all right. Westworld <laughs> gets hard. Okay, who else? Who have we left? Well, off? I mean, I you know you talked about Viola Davis, and I think yeah. that I mean I think that she's always a contender for anything she's in. Yeah. I also think we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, disregard Mandy Moore. I mean, this is us. This is us. Is still a powerhouse. Yeah. And then, of course, there's one of your all-time favorites from Orphan Black. Yes, Tatiana Maslany, and yeah. she's fantastic. As and she, she won. was ineligible last year, right. though she won the year before. She won. Which you had been in her corner for a long time. I, I think she's I mean, an incredible actress. She should have won five times, if you Absolutely. based on how you look at it, of all it those roles. It took them a while. That was on BBC America. It's very difficult to find. You it was know. also very genre. Yeah. I sometimes think, you know, it, it, her win to me was actually was actually a cementing of the legacy I felt of Game of Thrones. Yes. When Game of Thrones won Best Drama and they seriously smashed the genre barrier, yeah. you saw you saw Tatiana win last year, and then you, but the year before, and then you saw Handmaid's Tale come in in full force last year. Yes. I, I do feel like genre might now actually be the norm at the Emmys. It could be, which is unusual because yeah. it, you know, all, all these great shows that got ignored over the years, except in tech categories like Battlestar Galactica and everything, suddenly if that was out now, might get a little more attention. You know? yet still. No love for Walking Dead? No, I think they still look at it like a zombie show. You know, TV Academy voters are the same as movie Academy voters. There are certain lines they Out of touch cross. with what people really like? Uh, you will. Just say it. Because <laughs> I yeah. guarantee you Infinity War isn't getting nominated for Best Picture. No, it isn't, but Black Panther might. Black Panther will. Yeah. Black Panther will get nominated. We're yes. actually turning TV talking to Oscar <laughs> for a second here. And let me tell you, it yeah. is getting nominated. Okay, and with this. that, as we pivot towards an Oscar show that never is really going to happen between Pete and I, we have a little bit more to talk about from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by the acclaimed hit comedy Mom from Warner Brothers Television for CBS. TV Insider called Mom one of network TV's more memorably gritty sitcoms, while USA Today proclaims it has long excelled at balancing deep emotional moments about people in crisis with sharp humor. And the New York Times says this sitcom often ventures into serious material without becoming overly maudlin. It's largely driven by the chemistry and camaraderie between Allison Janney and Anna Faris for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Coming out of Mom, which is on CBS, we're going up the cable dial to USA Network, and we're going to show, uh, we're going to play here a little clip here of me doing an interview with Mark Rose and Wavy Jones from USA Network's Unsolved, which looked at the murders of Tupac Shakur and the notorious B.I.G. So, guys, yeah. let's talk about this. This ten-part, this this ten-part series has been on, on USA Network, big success, lots of viewers, but a lot of responsibility on you guys. Now, Mark, you've played Tupac before and straight out of Compton. Um, how has it been dealing with these, playing these iconic figures, playing people who so many people have an idea of what Tupac and Biggie are all about, what happened to them, their relationship, et cetera, et cetera. How has it been for you? Honestly, it's been, it's been amazing to just 
uh, you know, step in the shoes of someone who so many people idolize and respect and, you know, as well as myself. And just to be able to tell this side of the story, you know, um, it's been over 20 years and this is a side of the story that a lot of people don't know. So for me to be able to be a vessel and, and help tell the story, is, it's so rewarding for me and I'm just glad to be a part of it. You know, Wavy, one of the things people know about, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of both artists and, and, and I'm not going to get to the East Coast, West Coast thing because there's no winning there. <laughs> but, you know, right now we're seeing Suge Knight is on, on trial for a murder. We're seeing, uh, you know, this story is once again back in the headlines, partially thanks to you guys and what have you. But a lot of what's in this, in this, in this series is the friendship between the two guys. And for you, how did you guys develop that? Because there's so much chemistry between the two of you when you're on screen together. Mm, we naturally connected. I remember when I first got casted, I... Uh, hit up Mark on Snapchat and was just like, well, I just got casted. He was like, well, he's like, yo, call me. Like, I know, like, you know what I mean? So I went ahead, I called him and he FaceTimed me. We, we've been cool ever since. I came out here and we just connected. It was just natural. So walking on set and just actually seeing a lot of things that Tupac and Biggie did, whether it was him coming to, to, to California and wanting to go to Roscoe's and stuff like that. It was like we, we had like similar things just coming from the East Coast, coming out here, wanting to meet somebody that we admired and stuff right. like that. So it was genuine. Everything was genuine. It made working on set even that just much easier. more. Yeah, yeah, easier and fun. You know, it was so much fun just to be around, <laughs> you know. You know, there's that great scene, I think it's in episode three or episode four, where, where Biggie goes over to Tupac's uh, California crib and you guys playing in the backyard with those guns that have no, no ammo in them, mm -hmm. it's like fighting with water. That was in the pilot, it, yep. it seemed so clear that these were two people who were so close, kind of Tupac is a mentor to Biggie and then they kind of became equals, and then it goes so wrong. Yeah. What would you say to fans who look at the series and, and say, you know, that's not a story I thought was the story I knew? Um, well, I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's exactly what Anthony Hemingway and Kyle Long wanted to go for. Who, Anthony, who's the director of almost all yes. the episodes in the EP. And, and, and Kyle and Long, the and writer, exactly, the showrunner. Um, I think that's exactly what they wanted to go for with this project. They wanted people to say, I didn't know that, or this is something that I didn't know. You know, a lot of the times um, in the media, we knew that they just pushed the East Coast, West Coast beef, and so that's what a lot of us knew. Um, but just to hear fans and just people who's tuning in uh, say that this is something I didn't know that the investigation went down. I didn't know how much friend, how much of a friendship these two guys had. You know, I didn't know their family, the extent of that. It's like I'm sure Anthony and Kyle and all of us is going woo because that's what we want. You know, that's it's it's real rewarding again. You know, maybe for you, one of the things and you you talked about it, Marcus. Now, as you talk about family, is the amazing Aisha Hines plays your mother, um, and and who was actually, it was her lawsuit just over 10 years ago that made the LAPD have to reopen this case, which is a part of Unsolved Story. What was that like for you working with her, and, and what, what did you learn from her as an actor? Aisha's amazing, and she brought such a great energy to the whole project. Like, rather we, we be just anywhere, anywhere with it, like she always just said, just, just be you. Just be you, be natural, be genuine, and when you look into the camera, just just, just open up and become the character. I, I never forget we was actually riding back um, because it was like our last time on camera together was gonna be our last time, and we was riding back to base camp, and we both was in a van, and she was like, uh, she said, you held yours like a champ, like <laughs> you held yours like a that champ. That must have felt great. Yeah, like she, she's a veteran actress, so for her to say that to me coming into the, to the whole industry was like, that. it was dope, it was amazing. Now, as you said, coming to the industry, I mean, this is your first, yeah. first major role, Wavy. No pun intended, 
Big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> Were Big you shoes. intimidated by it? Um, yeah, I feel like whatever whatever you try to go for that's like totally different. Like this was an unconventional route for me. I didn't plan on being an actor. So whatever you try to go for, I feel like it's gonna be um, it's gonna be intimidating at first. But when I connected with so many great people on on this cast and the crew and and, and Anthony was amazing. So just to be able to work with these people was like it, it just made me feel comfortable about the whole situation. Now, Mark, uh, t picking up on what we just talked about. You know, Anthony Hemingway, obviously part of the Emmy-winning team from O.J. Um, and, and many other things. Uh, he, one of the executive producers of Underground, which Aisha Hines was on. What was it like for you guys working with such an experienced director? And, and what did Anthony, what did he give to you guys that made it easier for you or maybe better for you in your so performance? So much, so much. I mean, he, one, he was by our side every step of the way. I mean, he, he's so hands-on and he has just such a gift that is, I can't seem to put in words. It's, it's like he would know every little detail you know what i mean he studies every single thing and his 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 craft and when we're on set he makes sure he has his vision you know i could i could sit i think i sat in here and make up longer for example longer than probably anybody on the show because Pac had all these tattoos and um it was the episode i think episode five where uh had went to jail and he had the little afro and um so i sat there i was i was in there and then um when it was time to get on set and go to our mark, I had got in front of the camera and we was getting ready to film. And he was like, hold on, cut, wait, 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 wait. And he went and he leaned into the camera and he's like, no, 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 you gotta come back, it's, it's, it's not right. And he moved something over like an inch. And mm. I'm like, what the? You know, but it made such a difference because he knows and he's, he has such a vision. And again, to just, he, he made everything so much easier. It is so much pressure playing, you know, people who, again, everyone loves and respects and means so much to the culture and community. Uh, but having someone like Anthony just be there, it, it meant it meant so much and it made it so much easier to, to just jump into that. And coming up right now, uh, my interview with Conan O'Brien from our Contenders Day at the DGA. And he is really funny and really tall really tall and his show uh, goes all over the world now and we talked a lot about that especially his show in Haiti and the one in Italy and it's it's fun stuff so uh, enjoy welcome and uh, wow longest running uh, talk show host uh, yes. right now in yeah late. How, did, do you think about those things or is it just all gone by and you know it has not all gone by quickly no it has <laughs> been uh, my career has been a freak show and uh, <laughs> I've had people tell me, uh, a lot of young people come up and say, I want to do what you're doing. How did you get started? And I say, that's like me explaining to you how I got hit by a meteor. You know, <laughs> it's just so, Im so many improbable things happened. And it was 25 years ago, I think two days ago, that I auditioned for the late night slot. And we put out a tweet of me auditioning for the show. And they surprised me with uh, Mimi Rogers and Jason Alexander. And I just had to interview them. And I'm so goddamn relaxed in that interview because I thought I had no chance. And I haven't been that relaxed since. <laughs> well, you were a very successful Emmy-winning writer on The Simpsons at that point. Yes, yeah. yeah. Simpsons, uh, yeah. Let's get the word out on that show. It's a cartoon. And Conan, uh, that's still going too. I mean, you know. Yo, you know, it's funny. When I left The Simpsons, I, 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 when I left The Simpsons, I was at The Simpsons and I was a writer there and I'd worked on Stand Out Live and I'd worked on a few great shows and I was working at The Simpsons and uh, the call came, you got the gig, you're going to replace David Letterman, uh, you're a 29 year old, obscure nobody. And I got the call and I turned to the rest of The Simpsons and I said, well, this 
show is pretty much dying, so I'll see you suckers. <laughs> I'll see you suckers later. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's incredible that that show's still going. And now I have a I have a 12 year old son, and I watch the show with him, uh, uh, The Simpsons. And he will. The other day he was laughing really hard in an episode, and I something felt familiar, and and I sort of leaned in. And when your son is 12, you'll do anything to get just a little bit of his respect. And I realized it was an episode I had written, and I said I wrote this episode. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Took a drag on his cigarette, and put it out. Pretty cynical kid, yeah. It's hard to get respect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the I show. Wish, this should be even bigger on the microphone, don't you think? Deadline. Yes. This, this belies some kind of insecurity. <laughs> this is the largest name I've ever seen on a microphone. We want to make sure that yeah. everybody knows you're talking to Deadline. We're talking to Deadline right now. <laughs> the uh, show, I, I think now talking after 25 years of doing this, yeah. you're, it's fresher than ever. You obviously put so much into it to keep this. You've gone along with the times. You've gone digital. Right. You've gone social media. You've moved yeah. along, right? Well, I think one of the things that uh, I'm most very proud of the work that we've done and the body of work that we have really proud of it and really proud that I meet so many young comedians that say, I grew up watching your show and it was so different and so weird and it spoke to me and inspired me. And that is all I ever wanted out of this business. That and to literally know people like a Bob Newhart, the fact that he knows my name uh, is, is just an example of how magical this business can be because I, so that, that is all fantastic. The thing we're trying, that we've been trying to do that I think has been so exciting is make the show uh, something that I'm just as excited to do in 2018, 2019, as I was in 1993. And that means constantly trying to challenge yourself. And that's what we've been trying to do, is uh, the things that we're doing now on the show were inconceivable to me in 1993. I don't even think they were really possible. I couldn't leave the, a talk show host couldn't leave the country, uh, grab a camera crew, turn a show around that quickly, but I have the people, I have the, this incredible team of producers, I have a great camera crew, I can tell them, you know, Donald Trump can mention, uh, say something really uh, hateful about uh, Haiti and other African, you know, and, and African nations, and he can say that, uh, and I can get on a plane the next day we can shoot a show in three or four days and then uh, really without hardly sleeping and then get back here, assemble it and get it out on the air very quickly while still doing the linear show on, on TBS. That's That couldn't have been accomplished in 93. Thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss an episode, even the ones where Pete and I agree. And of course, you can find all of our Emmy-breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye.